Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. In this passage, we have a contrast between Peter, who is expressing what humans want, and Jesus, who is expressing what God wants. Now, just a few verses before this passage today, Jesus has asked his disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Peter proclaimed that Jesus is the Christ. You are the Christ, which means the anointed. So he has just proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. But when Jesus starts to talk about what that actually means, what Jesus says does not fit Peter's image of who Jesus is supposed to be. Peter has a sense of this is what a Messiah is. Then when Jesus tells him what it really means, Peter's not really happy with the result. And so this conflict erupts between them where Jesus says, you are setting your mind on human things, not on divine things. Now I brought a prop today to uh, go along with my sermon. Um, it's a metaphor for the passage. Hopefully this works. Once in seminary, I was trying to explain something, and a professor quipped, Chris, you are awash in metaphor. So this is a, my wife and I have gotten really into birds and bird feeders during the pandemic, so this is one of the bird feeders we got, and uh, it has a cage around it because it's designed for small birds, so that bird, little birds like finches can get in and feed without blue jays and other big birds coming in, disrupting them or taking all of uh, the food. So the cage is actually to keep the bigger birds out and create a safe environment for the smaller birds to eat inside the cage. And we've had it up for, I don't know, almost a year now, but just recently um, a hawk has taken up residence near our home and uh, several times my wife and I have actually seen a hawk swoop in right as a finch is trying to leave the cage. And not always successful, but a couple of those finches have, uh, the hawk's been very happy. So we've actually said we now have a dual bird feeder. We feed the finches and we feed the hawks. Um, and we, we've actually been joking about going to the store where we bought this and saying we'd like to buy another hawk feeder. The point of this is that the birds are safe and they have food inside the cage. There's nothing keeping them in the cage, but they're safe and they have food in the cage. But if they just stayed inside the cage, they would not really be the birds of the air that God created them to be. Right? God created the birds of the air to fly around and, and be birds. So if they just stayed inside this feeder, they wouldn't really be who they are in their core as birds, but it's safer. Now, COVID, this pandemic, I think a lot of us feel like we've been put in a cage and we're not allowed to emerge from it. But I think this birdcage is really a metaphor for the cages that we make for ourselves. The cages where we can be inside and feel safe and comfortable and have the food we need, 
without any of the threats outside. But it only works if we stay in the cage. Those are the human things that Jesus is talking about in the passage. Comfort inside there, safety, food. But Jesus is talking about divine things which involve risk, transformation. You can only really pursue divine things if you're willing to go outside the cages. So what are the cages that we keep ourselves it feels safe? But ultimately means that we aren't who God is calling us to be. What are the cages that you have created for yourself? What are the cages that society encourages us to pursue and to live in, even though we can leave whenever we want? We create these cages for ourselves out of safety or what we're told that we're, how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to stay safe. One commentator on this passage, to deny oneself is to place Jesus' priorities, purposes, and path ahead of our own. To take up the cross is to be willing to suffer the consequences of faithful living. To follow him is to travel to unknown destinations that promise to be both dangerous and life-giving. Hear that last part again. To follow him is to travel to unknowns that promise to be both dangerous and life-giving. So when the finch leaves this cage, it has to encounter the danger of the hawk. But for it to fully live its life as a bird, it can't stay in the cage. And I think that metaphor is true for us in following Jesus. Jesus was willing to suffer and die and rise again to restore us to both a life worth living and a life worth losing for the sake of others. It's about not living for ourselves alone, which is sometimes what the cages that we put ourselves in do. So to follow Jesus is to relinquish ownership of our aspirations, future, and our life. Now I want to be clear, relinquish Ownership. That doesn't mean that we don't have aspirations or a future or a life, but that we turn those over to God, that God is the owner of our aspirations, that God is the owner of our future and of our life. I did not want to be a priest. And when I first got a sense of call to the priesthood, it freaked me out. And I literally spent three years physically moving from place to place, trying to run away from God's call in my life. I wanted to stay in the cage of complete control over the life that I had imagined for myself. I thought that following God would kill me, would 
would kill me as I knew myself. And you know what? It did. But it actually gave me a new, more abundant life. And I have realized that in my life, I would rather be a poor representation of who God called me to be than a shallow fulfillment of who I wanted to be. Now, this process in your own life might be dramatic like it was for me, or it may be quite subtle, hard to notice, hard to see. Ultimately, it comes down to the difference between Jesus being who we want him to be or us becoming who God wants us to be. There's a lot of talk about Christian nationalism in our country right now, and it's occurred around the world. And the challenge of something like Christian nationalism is that it's shaping Jesus into who we want Jesus to be. It's making Jesus the super-American rather than us as both citizens and believers trying to shape our lives after Jesus, who told us to take up our cross, to deny ourselves. So this passage today in that interaction between Jesus and Peter is really the fundamental challenge of the spiritual life, of life completely. Human things versus divine things. Human things are life inside the cage that we have mostly created ourselves. And divine things are the cage. Now that doesn't mean that we stop living very human lives. But Jesus is calling us to live life without the cage. So if you imagine taking the cage away. We still need our sustenance. We still lead, need the life that we all know and we live that life. We're still very human. But this is life fully open to God. And our sense of survival when we follow God does not depend on keeping others out, which is what this is for. The cages that we make are about keeping other people out. In this, our survival does not depend on that because we are following God. Now, we are in the midst of our annual fund, so I do need to say something about stewardship. And I want to say something about the cage of money. Jesus talked about our relationship with money more than anything else because it has such power as Christians when we put our mind on divine things instead of human things a spirituality of money leads us to give first rather than what's left after we have spent on ourselves now one way to do that is to support the church and other organizations that are doing God's work in the world. Giving first is an act of denying yourself that is ultimately liberating 
because it helps lessen money's emotional and spiritual power over our lives. Now, if the pandemic has meant a loss of income for you, fear and anxiety about money is very real and totally appropriate. And at the same time, much of the St. John's community has been spared the economic impact of the pandemic. Many, many years ago, I was talking with a parishioner about the annual fund, and uh, they told me that they were going to have to reduce their giving, that things were tight financially. Later that week, I learned that they had just purchased a vacation home. Now, if you are buying a vacation home, things are not tight. You are just making different decisions with your money, which is fine. But we have to be honest with ourselves about the choices we make. Otherwise, we're just putting ourselves in a cage of how we understand money and its power in our life. When I was an assistant priest at a church in, the church in Santa Barbara, All Saints by the Sea, I preached a sermon for, for the annual fund about sacrificial giving and putting giving to the church first. A few days after I preached that sermon, I made an impulse purchase of a surfboard that I really wanted and could not afford. And I was out surfing and ran into a parishioner who's also a surfer, uh, and he asked me about the board, and, and uh, I told him, and he goes, oh, how's that sacrificial giving going? <laughs> I was like, guilty. I put myself in the cage. <laughs> Now, I want to be clear, this is not about guilt. This is not about shame. That, that's not helpful here. This is not, I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. I mean, I, if I am, I should be focused on my own shame. So it's not about guilt or shame. It's about seeing the cage that we put ourselves in when it comes to money and what a pervasive force that can be in our lives, regardless of how much of it we have. Our most generous donors at St. John's express joy in their giving. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about pure dollar amounts. Some of our most generous donors are not giving large amounts of money dollar-wise, but as a percentage of the funds they are giving, of what they have available, it is truly sacrificial giving for them but they keep doing it because it's life-giving the number of people I've spoken to who basically say I give because it feels good because it's liberating it's freeing the church used to say give until it hurts which was really a harmful message the message of the spirituality money is give first and give until it feels good. Give until it feels like you're giving enough that it's not about just protecting yourself, but giving to others, giving of yourself. So I hope you will support St. John's and the mission we share here generously. 
But most importantly, I hope all of us will strive to set our minds on divine things when it comes to our relationship with money. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will save it.